Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast and another episode of the Weekly Debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, Managing Editor at BizTimes Media, and I'm joined on the Weekly Debrief, as always, by BizTimes Editor Andrew Wyland. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, there's still construction out my window. I'm still not sick of it. I still enjoy it and <laughs> survived a cold week at the uh, at the high school track meet this week. So it's all good. Must be spring in Wisconsin, right? Uh, yeah, 70s, well, 80s one day and then. So it was sunburned at a track meet last week, Saturday. Two days later, there's snow on the ground in my front yard. And then Wednesday, I was at a track meet, you know, layered up to survive it. So, yeah. <laughs> Yep, that is the way the way of the world. Uh, but we will endure it. And uh, when we get to our beautiful summer, um, we can relish that. So uh, let's dive in with uh, our Insider Story Spotlight. That is a chance for us to highlight some of the stories that are available only to BizTimes Insiders. If you are already an insider, thank you very much. We do appreciate that. It helps support our work. If you're not an insider please consider subscribing. The equivalent of $9 a month will get you access to all of the stories on our website, biztypes.com, along with discounted admission to some of our events and other insider benefits. So please do consider it. Go to biztimes.com, click on the subscribe button and get signed up. Andrew, what is your insider story spotlight this week? Speaking of looking out my office window... Not only do I enjoy watching construction projects, but I'm I'm somewhat something of a geek for the big boats. And I can mm-hmm. see like Michigan here. I can see the big boats that come in and out of the the harbor, and so I'm always interested in what's going on at Port Milwaukee. And Port Milwaukee um, put out their annual report uh, this week to r- report on activity at the port in 2022. It's kind of like the big number you like to look at, and I think it's a it's a fairly important economic indicator to keep an eye on Port Milwaukee activity. There was 2.2, 2.27 million tons um, of goods shipped in and out of the port last year, which is actually down 3.2% from the year before. So it's interesting to kind of see that, see how, you know, the number of vessels that came in and out of the port was down 13.5%. From the year before, 346 last year compared to 420-21. So it's interesting to see, you know, what's going on at the port. I think it is an important economic indicator to keep an eye on. Obviously, there's been a lot of issues with supply chain and, and things being shipped that hasn't affected Port Milwaukee the way it did the coastal ports. But, you know, I think there's a bit of a ripple effect. And so I I, I think perhaps that explains somewhat of the decline last year that maybe things started to uh, to improve from a, a busier 2021 kind of popping out of the pandemic. I also had some of the data, which we already knew about. The port had a huge year, record-breaking year last year as far as cruise ship activity. Um, 13,600 passengers were on cruise ships uh, coming in and out of Port Milwaukee last year, which is Rather astonishing, I think, you know, a cruise ship industry that not too many years ago was pretty much nil in Milwaukee. So it's interesting to see that taking off and we'll see more. We'll look forward to seeing more cruise ships in in, in Milwaukee uh, when the weather heats up soon here. 
Yeah, absolutely. And one one additional item out of that report, uh, I suppose a key figure, um, all the ones you highlighted are important, but the bottom line, uh, net income increased from around 500000 to a little over a million, uh, which is good to see um, that uh, the port is um, seeing an increase in that. And it's bottom line. Yeah, figures, good point. So, so despite the 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 lower tonnage, um, the net income of the port big increase. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to my insider story spotlight this week, and I'm going to highlight uh, one that you wrote, Andrew, in our latest issue, the April 17th issue of Biz Times Milwaukee, um, which we're going to be talking about the cover story from that a bunch in a few minutes. But uh, we had a, um, a development special report in it in this issue. And Andrew, you took a closer look at kind of some trends in um, retail space and kind of specifically in shopping centers, strip malls, things like that. Um, And what you found was kind of a a big increase in this ideal idea of med tail tenants, these medical healthcare related tenants that are occupying former uh, uh, retail spaces um, in in shopping centers, um, which certainly makes some sense that that you'd be seeing uh, less traditional um, tenants in spaces where before you may have seen, you know, someone selling clothes or someone selling some other product that's more that's maybe now available, you know, online can't support a, a brick and mortar space or as many brick and mortar spaces. So, uh, anything that stood out to you in in reporting that piece out? There were a lot of things, and, and the whole idea of the story just was kind of from my just sort of random observations of seeing these types of tenants in, whether it's a strip mall or a grocery-anchored shopping center, and just go, man, you see a lot of these. I know there's a lot of, like, dental offices and stuff like that in in these shopping centers, and so I started to talk to some brokers about it, and they confirmed my suspicions that this isn't really a new trend. This has been going on for a few years, but it's a it's a growing trend. And it really took off during the pandemic when a lot of other retail was struggling with pandemic restrictions and healthcare providers were in high demand. Um, but yeah, you've seen, I think you've seen a lot of maybe smaller retailers go away largely because of competition from bigger box retailers and so you don't see those smaller, you know, mom and pop type retailers maybe you saw in the past. And as these spaces have become available, a lot of healthcare type businesses, whether it's a dentist office, an orthodontist, um, you know, uh, any kind of that type of thing, um, physical therapy, stuff like that, that maybe previously would have been in a medical office building. Increasingly, they're drawn to the idea of being in a, a retail building where it's much more visible. Uh, you're in a medical office building. People might not even know you're there. In, in a retail building, you can put up a huge sign and you've got a lot of passersby and, you know, that, that maybe helps you attract more customers. And, you know, I think the the reaction from the retail building landlords is they like these tenants because they spend a lot of money to create their spaces. So it's a pretty big investment and they're not necessarily likely to move anytime soon. Even their lease might expire. They're more likely to renew because they've put so much into the space. And then they also bring traffic 
brings more daytime traffic uh, than maybe other tenants did that helps, you know, create traffic for the other tenants in the, the shopping center. So the it's an increasingly attractive option for both these healthcare businesses and the landlords. And it's created like this whole new category that I didn't know I had a name. It's, it's, it's called Medtail, as you mentioned before. That's what they call it in the retail real estate world. Yeah, and I think part of the interesting thing in doing a story like this, we we put so much attention on the big projects, the big shiny developments, mm-hmm. things like that. But um, while individual leases may not be, you know, a huge deal, when you add up all of those leases kind of around a you know, county, a town, or region, that really, you know, I'm guessing kind of forms a lot of the backbone of the market in terms of um, or at least the bread and butter, right, of of activity of kind of smaller transactions, but lots of them, and interesting to kind of dig into some of the trends there. Yeah, I mean, it might not be the type of deals that ordinarily grab the headlines or grab the public's attention, but in the industry, if you're in the retail real estate world, oh, you're very interested in this, and it's, it's like I said, it's become an increasingly large part of it, um, so it's uh they're definitely interested in, in in responding to the trend so they're on mm-hmm. it yeah well let's shift gears to our big story of the week and i mentioned just a minute ago we're going to talk about the cover story in the latest issue of biz times milwaukee the headline we have on it is embedded technologies powering milwaukee um ashley smart our uh innovation and entrepreneurship uh reporter uh wrote it for us um it is a story that digs into all these efforts over the last several years um to uh, position milwaukee as a tech hub and kind of what what that all adds up to and where where we're at now in a time where we see the tech industry um a lot of the the big tech companies the coastal tech companies we see these layoffs you know announced in the the tens of thousands and um, it kind of makes you wonder, well, you know, what does that mean for our, our uh, nascent technology sector here in Milwaukee? We've put all these efforts in, are we going to see that all get kind of washed out um, in, you know, in the blink of an eye? Um, and you, you've seen some layoffs, uh, you know, Fiserv had some, Zywave, the insurance company, our insurance technology company had some, Um but I think what Ashley found in reporting this story is that, you know, Milwaukee's tech sector isn't so much of a tech sector as a thing that is, that permeates throughout all of our industry and all of our traditional industries in a lot of ways. Um, whether that's at companies like Milwaukee Tool or at Badger Meter or Rockwell or Johnson Controls or any number of firms, Northwestern Mutual. Um, which has been a big champion of the tech hub kind of idea. Um, we see a lot of the technology showing up um, within the products of these companies. And that doesn't always maybe resonate for people that there is a lot of technology there um, that, that isn't, you know, it's not flashy. It's not uh, the next Uber. It's not the next um, Facebook or um, pick your high flying, um, you know, coastal, uh, startup, but 
um, there's a lot of jobs and a lot of um, technology jobs that are uh, tied to that. Yeah, and I think it's an opportunity when you look at the, all those the facts you're laying out that it's an opportunity for us as a community to lean into that. And, you know, the the layoffs that we've seen in the industry on the coast, Silicon Valley and what have you, perhaps is an opportunity to attract people uh, to the jobs that are available in, in, in the Milwaukee area. And certainly, as you said, there's been a big push to create a tech hub, develop tech companies, attract tech talent. And I think that's been a, a challenge for Milwaukee that we're not seen as as that type of place. So the, the talent goes to the coasts and the venture capital is available on the coasts. And so developing tech companies and, and attracting tech talent has been a big challenge here for our economy. And even though, you know, these industries are seen as, well, the wave of the future and where a lot of the growth is, and we need to somehow get a piece of that. Um, but increasingly in our modern world, almost every company now is a tech company. And, and what we've seen, as you said, is that our traditional industries, a lot of our largest and most successful companies, um, tech is a huge part of what they do. And so there are a lot of tech and engineering and you know jobs in, in, in with these businesses. And so there are opportunities here for, for people who want those types of careers and they don't have to go to the coast or they could come from the coast to our community. And we offer a different lifestyle uh, in a lot of ways, a, a, a higher quality of life that's slower paced, less traffic, Cost of living is much lower. Um, maybe the weather isn't as good as the West Coast, but there's a lot of things we can offer to compete with these other regions. And we can say, you know what? There's a there's a strong tech industry in our area. It's just those jobs are present in perhaps traditionally manufacturing companies or or, or what have you. I think there's still skepticism of Milwaukee as a tech hub. But it's it's an effort that needs to continue, and it's stronger than we think, and it lies within our traditional industries. Yeah, and I'm almost not sure if trying to just the, the name Tech Hub, if that there's almost like a, a this cognitive dissonance between like, well, when I think Tech Hub, I think Silicon Valley, I think Boston, I think the Research Triangle, yeah, kind of things. Um, and, you know, okay, well, how can we become that versus just, you know, highlighting that the opportunities are there? Um, Ashley had this great quote from his, from John Finch, who's senior vice president of talent at Milwaukee Tool. And he said, what we spend a lot of time talking about how we're trying to re-message this whole concept of a tech hub. In my mind, it's not about trying to make us a tech hub as much as making technology prevalent and clearly visible to everybody. It's in everything we do. You combine that with what we we're talking about with the, the need for, you know, not having people leave for opportunities elsewhere. Um, and I think that that's, that's the, the key that the city, you know, and people need to lean into is there are opportunities to have great careers in Milwaukee, um, and have all the benefits that, that come with that in terms of quality of life. Um, those opportunities exist and making sure that 
that young people are aware of them and aware of the range before they make a decision to, you know, leave. Um, Cause then it's, once they leave, a little harder to get them back um, than, than it is if they just stay in the first place. Um, and that's the thing, you know, piece one of reversing some of the population trends we've seen. And I think we've talked about those in the podcast previously, you know, step one is, you know, reducing the outflow. Um, and it's not only about just attracting people in it's, it's about, you know, reducing the flow outward um, to the best extent you can. Yeah, I think we have to do a much better job of promoting ourselves. You know, Milwaukee is notorious for not bragging about ourselves enough. But yeah, we've got to lean in and promote these opportunities, these tech job opportunities with the companies that we have, while still indeed trying to develop, quote unquote, tech companies as we have, attract and support more of those, attract the venture capital that can grow some of those. That's still a worthy effort, um, but you know we need to have the talent to develop those companies and support those companies, and we need people to realize. And so we've got to promote ourselves better. That hey, these opportunities are here, and and people might not want to take a job at a company if they think, well, what if I don't like it? I there won't be other opportunities in the community to go to. They want to go to a city that has lots of opportunities, not just for the one job they're taking. And if people realize there's all kinds of tech engineering, you know, STEM related jobs at Milwaukee companies, people realize that they're gonna be more attracted to coming here. And we've got to get the word out about it because you know, you you fall into this image of oh that's just milwaukee it's rust belt it's beers and brats and you know manufacturing and it's like no there are all these other opportunities these are high-end high-tech jobs they're at these companies and we gotta let people know especially young people know that these opportunities are here and they they should come here and and have a career here and have a life here there's a great Mm -hmm. opportunity here yeah i mean we talked about We've talked about Milwaukee Tool on the podcast before, so I won't belabor that point. But take a company like Badger Meter, right? Manufacturing company, yes, um, but also increasingly a software company. And, um, you know, increasingly there's doing work in the smart water space and, you know, water meters that um, use cellular data to communicate, you know, water usage so that instead of, um, you know, checking you know, sending a truck around town to check how much um, water um, has been used. You know, it's that data gets sent right to um, a municipality or water utility or whatever. Um, and they're doing more and more stuff in that space. Um, so even, even with manufacturing companies, more and more tech oriented work. So certainly um, a good read uh, from Ashley. A lot of interesting stuff um, goes into a lot of depth there and uh we'll uh hope everyone checks that one out absolutely please do that will do it for this week on the biz times mke podcast and the weekly debrief andrew thanks for joining me as always okay see ya this is dan meyer with biz times media you've been listening to the biz times mke podcast For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.